In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but those from evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, everybody. Um, uh, first of all, thank you to uh, a whole bunch of you who uh, sent messages of condolences. Uh, it was very nice of you. Um, those willing to put on the camera, cool. It make, Like I said, it makes it less weird. Thank you. Um, I don't actually have um, an awful lot to, um, to say. Um, because I'm not, I guess maybe it first would be good to talk about what I'm not talking about. I'm, I'm hoping for this to be a little bit of a discussion. Um, I'm not I'm not actually here to talk about what's a true miracle, what's a fake miracle, or to assess anybody's miracle, um, or to um, define the when and how and why that God does a miracle, because I actually don't know the answer to that question. Um, and more on um, just more generally the concept of miracles. And um, I think I just kind of want to tackle just some principles about our attitude towards them more than I'm interested in trying to evaluate anything. Because um, I do think that um, we, we do live in a secular world. That's not a thought, that's, that's a fact. Um, but uh, I think that as rationalists, we, culturally rationalists anyway, um, we tend to be more critical um, of the supernatural. And I actually think that it's become a little bit um, unhealthy. Having said that, I do want to acknowledge, because I think what's going on is a reactionary thing. Um, I think I'm reacting to um, a very negative attitude towards the miraculous that I see among believers. Um, and I think part of it is, I think part of that negativity is in reaction to um, a period in the church um, in which um, people went crazy over miracles. And I want to acknowledge that, I, that, that that did happen, or at least that I witnessed that happen where like if someone saw a black bird flying, it was Amba Musa al-Iswid. If somebody saw a white bird, it was St. Mary. Um, and there was all sorts of stuff going on and everybody was calling out everything um, as, as a miracle. Um, and so I think that what happened is that there is the church and, and it's her servants um, were attempting to respond to that um, trying to help people not just run after everything, especially because there were frauds, there were fakes, there were demonic things, there were deceptions, like that, that all happened. Um, and so I think that in, in, in a reaction to this, we may have gone too far um, as servants. That's my personal opinion. I'm not claiming that as a fact, but that's, that is what I think. Um, and so what I kind of want to go through is, is, is some of the common attitudes that I hear today about miracles um, and suggest maybe just a different way of, of, of looking at it and then opening it up to um, people's um, questions, 
about anything particular you want to talk about. Like I said, this is this is more about uh, an approach and the thought process, and um, not so much a how do you evaluate um, every single person's story. So first and foremost is that as as theists, um, and specifically as Christian theists. Um, we do believe that God interacts with us. We do believe that God um, does things. And we do believe that God is above, is, is extra natural. God is supernatural. Okay. And by that, when we mean natural, we're talking about the natural world, the elements, the senses and everything that we interact with. Whereas God by, by, by Christian definition is spirit. Um, and consequently, God is immaterial. So why I'm saying that is that what miracles are to us, and not exclusive to that, is that we're talking about an interaction between an immaterial and material world. That's not the only thing that's miraculous, but to us, that's usually what we're referring to is some kind of, and again, it's hard to, to perfectly define this, some kind of interaction between the material and material world that is intentional by God. Um, and that in most cases we believe defies the senses. It doesn't have to defy the senses, but that's usually what we mean colloquially when we're talking about, about miracles. And miracles don't have to be positive in the sense of um, of, of human understanding of, of positive. And by that, what I mean is that if we're talking about an interaction between supernatural and natural, then there can be demonic interactions, right? We can also see that God has done things that people didn't really enjoy that would still be considered miraculous um, in the sense that it was this interaction between the material and the material. Um, so the Bible is not shy about talking about miracles um, as much as we might be today. The act of creation is seen as a miracle. Um, we see Enoch being taken up. That was miraculous. The flood was a negative, quote unquote, miracle, um, depending on how you view it. Um, you've got the blinding of the Sodomites. You've got the burning bush. You've got the Mo Aaron's, uh, Moses and Aaron's rod. You've got... Um, the 10 plagues, you have um, the crossing of the Red Sea. I'm not talking right now what people want to talk about biblical interpretation. I'm just saying these are all what we talk about as being miraculous things. You've got lions slaying Samson. You've got Gideon's fleece. You've got the blossoming of Aaron's rod. You've got the cruise of oil of the widow in First Kings um, increasing. You've got Elijah being fed by ravens. You've got rain in answer to prayer. Um, you've got Jordan River divided by Elisha with using Elijah's uh, cloak, his mantle. Um, you've got um, Gehazi being struck with leprosy. Um, so that's, I mean, there's positive, there's negative, there's negative. These are all Old Testament. Daniel and the lion's den, right? In the New Testament, I'm not even going to bother listing them because most people are more familiar with those, right? I mean, there's more in the Old Testament. There's tons of the New Testament. So what I'm trying to get at, these are the kind of things that I'm referring to as, as miracles, um, because you could, it, it's very hard to define a miracle, because you could also talk about someone's change of heart possibly being a miracle. You could talk about 
um, a whole bunch of things that I think that if we were to get into the nitty gritty, it would get very, um, very, very difficult. And my mouse just died, so that one second, let me switch it. Um, there we go. Um, so miracles are all over the Bible. And I'm speaking from a Christian premise to a Christian um, uh, people. Um, I'm not right now speaking to the non-Christian world because they're going to view things differently, which is fine. I'm not angry about that. I'm just saying that this is the context and scope from which I'm working. So if we're viewing miracles as this um, interaction between the immaterial and the material, um, then I guess what I want to challenge a little bit is why a believer would be bothered by that um, or why we have some negativity about that because I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure why, I'm not sure that we can be consistent as Christians um, if we, if we carry that as our attitude. Um, so I'm going to go through different mindsets that I've encountered or that I myself have said at various times in my life. Um, I am somebody who has witnessed miracles. That's why um, I feel strongly about this. Um, and, and I also don't have as a person this talk to just list a bunch of miracles that I've um, seen or not or not seen in different people. Um, I already put myself on blast um, the other day with Bunangilos, uh, but um, instead I want to talk about the mindsets again and we'll go wherever we are. So one of the mindsets that I've seen as people react to miracles is that miracles are for non-believers. So I've heard that line being used a lot of saying, no, 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 we don't need miracles. Miracles are for the non-believers. And I really don't know where that's coming from. Um, the miracles of the Lord were predominantly for believers, not the opposite. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm using the Bible to respond to this. I'm not, I don't want to just conjecture personal opinion. Where I am, I'll just say that it's my personal opinion. Um, as a matter of fact, the Lord asked people, do you believe before doing a lot of, of the miracles? Um, he also did miracles for non-believers, both in the Old and New Testament. I'm not saying that he doesn't do them for non-believers. I'm simply saying to claim that miracles are just for non-believers, I don't see a biblical basis to that personally. Um, Actually, if you want to get really biblical, um, St. Paul in Corinthians talks about speaking in tongues as being more edifying for the personal believer and not so much for outsiders, but that outsiders would benefit from the gift of prophecy. And so actually, in this case, he was talking about something miraculous being more for the believer than the non-believer. Um, so it's, it's not, I don't think that, that the argument can hold its own. And the Lord explicitly said that his followers would do greater miracles than even he did. That, that's the Lord speaking, right? And that's the apostles and that's, that's us. Right? Because he's like, I don't know why you're so shocked at these miracles. If you're excited about the miracles, well, you're going to do them. You're going to do more than those. So to me, I, I actually think that miracles should be, theologically speaking, to some extent an expectation. 
what can get complicated is how to define the miraculous, how to define the supernatural. But what I'm trying to get at is if we believe that God is supernatural, I have no idea why we're probably have a problem with supernatural as believers. Okay. Um, what I also have seen as an attitude that scares me, it didn't used to scare me. I used to do it today. It's, it scares me. Um, is an attitude of condemnation to anybody that we witness doing a miracle. So by that, what I mean is, and what I'm not suggesting to be very clear, I'm not suggesting that there are no frauds. What I'm, what I'm critiquing is an individual's evaluation of someone as a fraud of what is your foundation and basis for which you say that somebody is a fraud. So for example, you see some TV program where some guy is casting out demons or um, doing a healing service or what have you. Again, I'm not saying that none of these people are fake or that none of these people are deceptive. Those do exist. However, when someone comes up to me and says, what do you think of someone like Father Makariune, who has exorcisms on his website and has one, two, three, four, five. I used to cast judgment on a person like him or others. However, I don't feel like I have the ability to do that anymore. Because the Lord himself was accused of casting out demons by the authority of demons. And it's an extremely important encounter in the gospel that I, I want to challenge you to look at in a different way. Because our Lord's response when that was said to him was, listen guys, attack the Son of Man all you want, me being the, the Lord, not me, Anthony Paul. But to blaspheme the spirit is unforgivable, whatever that means. I'm not here to get into the exegesis of what that means um, in terms of what unforgivable means by that I mean. But what is our Lord responding to? He's saying that you are calling a divine work, a work of the spirit, casting out demons. You're calling it demonic. That's what got the reaction out of the Lord. And that's terrifying to me as a Christian. Because if I now say that Father McCary or anyone like him is doing something demonic or that he's definitely a fraud, I might be blaspheming the work of the Spirit. And that's a very big thing to do, right? Because I might now be, be, be casting a judgment of which I'm not actually sure about and speaking authoritatively that it is so. And that warrants a whole lot of caution. Because what I would posit to you is that the faith of the believer is actually much more important than whoever is doing the work. So, for example, just as, as a parallel example, 
We know that there are fraudulent relics that came from the Vatican. That's a fact. Okay? So there was a period where the Vatican was issuing out relics um, that were allegedly knowingly not real. There is a responsibility on the head of the person who faked. I'm not dealing with that. But if a believer stands before the relic of the saints who believes in the saints and is praying and asking something of this saint, believing that it's the relics, I would struggle to accept that the saints would be like, sorry, Habibi, that's not really my body, so I'm not listening to you. Right? Because the premise of the saints hearing us or not hearing us is not dependent upon the object in, in front of which the person stands. Our theology about intercession and our theology about prayer is not dependent upon material objects. If the person closed their, their eyes and stood in a, in, a, in, a, in a closet with the doors closed and spoke to the saint, or was under their bed, or was in a swimming pool, or was in a church, or was at a nightclub, our theology of saints hearing is not dependent on any of those locations. Okay? And our, our theology of God hearing and not hearing is not dependent on the spiritual status or on the fraudulent possibility of the person involved. It has much more to do with the interaction between the believer and the believer's God. And so I would really caution authoritatively judging something or not. I'll give you an example. I used to laugh hysterically at those hour of power type programs where they're like being slain in the spirit and they touch you and you fall down. I'm not going to lie. I still, I find that awkward. I find it strange personally. Um, and then a youth came and told me and he showed me the video that he was watching one of those services on a Sunday and whoever was doing the, the service was like, if any of you are sick, if any of you are this, if any of you are that, um, please just right now, wherever you are, call out on God and, and, and all this stuff, right? So this person did that. And he showed me the video. Like, I, I wouldn't have believed him otherwise because I thought these were all shams. Straight up, I thought they were all shams, especially because we Orthodox like to pride ourselves in being always right and nothing outside of us is right, etc. Um, and he had some pain. I don't remember what it was. I can ask him. I can reach out. Um, but um, he had some pain in a specific place, and he said it. And then he showed me the video because the guy on the screen said to the person in such and such place in California with the pain in such and such place, be healed. And he was. That was a problem to me who was claiming that those things were fake. Like it was a challenge to me. It wasn't something that I was for. It was something I was against. Um, what am I going to say to that? Whether you want to call it demonic, whether you want to call it from God, whatever you want to say, I don't really care. But the point is, something supernatural occurred that didn't make sense and, 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 and in that moment. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is be very careful 
right? Just like when the apostles came to the Lord and said, Lord, these people are casting out demons. These people are doing miracles in your name. Should we tell them to stop? And the Lord said, no. If they're not against us, they're with us. Leave them alone. Right? And he told the, the apostles to chillax. Um, and they did. Okay? So we have to be very careful about ca ca of, of casting judgment. And to be very aware that we may be blaspheming the spirit. That was point number two. Number three is this sense of people wanting to make sense of miracles. And I think you're going to run into a whole lot of problems if you try and overly make sense of miracles. Because the word incredible means it's not credible. That's what the word means, right? We're saying that this defies logic. So when you're trying to overly logic your way through a miracle, you're going to struggle. Because we're saying that this miracle is some kind of interaction between the divine and the earthly, right? Or between the spiritual realm and our realm, whatever language you want to use, but there's this interaction. You're not the initiator of the miracle. Someone else is the initiator of the miracle. In which case, if you're going to try and overly um, make sense of things, you're going to enter a problem. And again, these are all things I did. So for example, somebody will be like, I don't have a problem saying that God could do this, but it doesn't make sense to me that God would do that. That's, that's commonly what gets what I hear being said by a believer. Okay. So the question to me is how are you going to assess God's mind short of where the miracle contradicts what we proclaim to be a dogma? And if it contradicts what we claim to be a dogma, then we have to ask the question of, did this miracle really happen? Because if it did, we might have a problem with our dogma. If the miracle didn't occur, then it's a different thing, but it's, it's a different set of questions, right? So for example, I know somebody and I met, okay, Tansa Mira, because she's passed away. We'll talk about someone like Tansa Mira. Somebody who was seeing Pope Carlos regularly. If you asked me, four years ago, without meeting this lady, what do you think of such and such? I would probably be sarcastic and say, Does Pope Carlos have so much free time that he needs to talk to Tan Samir every day? But there's something going on here. He either is or he isn't. It doesn't matter what I think about that. It doesn't matter what sense... I can make of that. It's a question of, is it really happening or not? So if it is, it's not my mind that's going to make sense of it. Because I'm not Pope Krolos. And I'm not the Lord of hosts or the King of glory to decide who to send to Tansamira or not to send to Tansamira. And so what I have seen, which has been very enlightening for me, 
is that I have seen people who are seeing the saints regularly and that sometimes there's a specific mission for that person. And there's different things that they go through. And often their life really sucks. No offense. So everybody is like jealous of the, of the light show. Right? But they have no idea how isolating it is. So for example, um, I know somebody that has the gift of prophecy. Of, dis of discerning God's word, of, of, of having the voice. And he doesn't have the gift himself. He has somebody that, I guess, a supernatural phenomenon that's occurring. What is the end result for him? A, he barely has any friends. People don't really like him because they want him to be their magic eight ball. B, almost everybody is constantly critical of his person. Everything he says, everything he does, every time he laughs, every time he belches, everything is under scrutiny, okay? Um, but God is working something through it, right? So I wouldn't have considered that before. But for me to think that I'm the one who's going to make sense of it is one of the major problems that I see in general society today that I don't want to rant too long about, which is where you put yourself as the standard that your method of analogy, your understanding of sense, your declaration of sensibility is somehow the standard. And that if you didn't come up with that logic, it must be illogical. But who are you and who am I? Right? That was a lesson I learned the hard way. Right? Who are you and who am I? Right? I mean, I, I told some story stories the other day about um, about Abuna Angelos, right? But even the things that I saw in him were things that I didn't believe in before seeing. I didn't believe in I didn't think that was real. I thought it was Christian sci-fi, okay? Um, or I guess just Christian fi, because it's really not scientific. Um, so it, we've got to be very, 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 very careful, right? Um, that we're not saying things like that. We're not applying logic. Even, for example, let's say you're like, okay, but this guy might be making money off of it. Okay, like let's say there's some guy doing this, and you're like, okay, maybe he's making money. Okay, I'm not saying you're not allowed to be critical. I'm not saying you're not allowed to question. We're going to come to that. I'm not saying that, it's in that you must believe everything you hear. I'm not saying any of the above. But just saying that, let's say the guy is making money off of it that's still not a determinant of truth because he might be corrupt. Just like we saw biblically where people were using miracles for money, but actually the public was accepting that something was going on. They were using some girl to prophesy for people and they were upset when Paul exercised the girl because she stopped making her prophecies that were demonic that they were making a profit off of. But something supernatural was going on, even though what they were doing was immoral. So somebody might actually be doing something genuine and be a horrible person at the same time. Those are not actually mutually exclusive. So we've got to be very careful about how we think about something um, when we when we go in. so what things we shouldn't have we shouldn't have an attitude of disdain right if your attitude towards miracles is always disdain then then you need to ask yourself what you really believe 
I can understand why an atheist has disdain. They're being logically consistent. I, I can understand that. Um, they, the argument with an atheist is a different argument. I'm not talking to atheists right now. I'm talking to Christians. Okay? So if you're a Christian, then why do you have disdain towards it? Because if so, what would you do about Jesus when he did his miracles? Are you going to have disdain towards him because he did them? Right? Do you have an attitude of sarcasm? Because if you, like when you're anyone who's being sarcastic, not just about miracles, about anything, be careful as a Christian about sarcasm, because sarcasm is usually saying you're holding people to ridicule and and that's not a christian behavior so if you're having sarcasm about a concept that can have a, a conversation but then you need to really analyze that concept why am i being sarcastic about it because if i am being sarcastic and holding to ridicule miracles you're gonna have a really hard time being consistent about what the bible teaches you're going to have a problem with God because God is supernatural. And so if you're going to say that God is supernatural, but is not allowed to interact with the, with the natural world, then you need to like get rid of the incarnation folks. Because the claim of the incarnation is the divine, the immaterial took on material. That's the claim. So if you're going to be sarcastic about it, you're going to have some real problems with our theology um, to begin with. We shouldn't have an attitude of presupposed understanding. Right? Because what you should instead do is ask, where does my understanding come from? So when I have an attitude of a miracle, what I'm challenging you to do is step back and say, why do I think it shouldn't happen this way? Where did that thinking come from? And I'm not saying you're definitely wrong. I'm just saying, ask yourself, where did that come from? What are you just assuming? Right? So, for example, I assumed that nothing supernatural could happen outside of the Orthodox Church. So, when I was presented with something happening outside the Orthodox Church, it forced me to have to deal with that. What happened? Because clearly whatever it is that I understood was wrong. Because something happened. Okay? Um, and those can be in the positive or in the negative. We've got to be careful not to have an attitude of thinking that you can determine, as we said earlier, what God is or isn't doing. Because you don't know. You don't know. I'm not claiming to know. The ones that can say that they know are those with the gift of prophecy in the Christian world. I don't have that gift. I, at least I'm not, if I do, I don't know about it. And I don't claim to have that gift. And so it's a dangerous thing to say, let me tell you what God is doing here. Or let me tell you assuredly that God is not doing this. The only time you can say that with any kind of confidence is when it comes to something that we hold to be dogmatic. Outside of the sphere of the dogmatic, it's open for discussion. 
And so it is very dangerous to jump in and say, this is not God. Because you just don't know. The other thing to be careful of is an attitude of judgment toward the person to whom or by whom the miracle is happening. So, for example, somebody that claims a miracle um, or an apparition or something like that. What I see culturally happening a lot of the times is we hold these people up to constant scrutiny. And we start judging every single deed. In doing so, what does that mean? In doing so, what we're saying is that miracles are meant for the holy. That's what we're saying. If we're saying that this person couldn't be seeing Pope Carlos because I saw them yell, or because that person cussed, or because I saw that person um, lie even, then what I'm saying is that because they sin, this miracle or event must be false. And that's monumentally messed up theology, no offense. Because God did miracles to a whole bunch of people. That's why I listed a whole bunch in the Old and New Testament. And none of them were flawless people. So if we're going to start as our premise, that a person to whom supernatural happens or by whom it happens must be flawless, then we have a problem. If we're going to be consistent, then we have a problem. That will not hold. So if you see that somebody does something wrong, that's not proof of anything other than their humanity. For example, Father Lazarus, the Antonian. I'll bring him up because I know him intimately. Okay? So I've known him for the last 20 years. Father Lazarus had a supernatural experience that is the reason why he is in a cave in Egypt he hates Egypt no offense so I have seen Abuna Lazarus lose it like totally lose it Abuna Lazarus hates Egyptian culture hates people being up in his face hates fakeness and he loses it and he loses it even more easily as he's aged I'm sorry Abuna like for putting you on blast Okay, so I have met people who have had, including myself, supernatural experience with Father Lazarus. So if they were to then see Abuna Lazarus screaming at somebody, go away, right? And let it, like losing it on them, right? Would that be an automatic proof of like, aha, some saint, he lost it. Clearly he's a fraud. Clearly, he's a fake, because if he was so good, he wouldn't. Well, the claim of the miracle is not that Abuna Lazarus is good. The claim of the miracle is not that God only interacts with the good. The claim of the miracle is that God interacted with humanity. That's all. 
there was no estimation of value. There was no estimation of worth. There was no judgment of person. Am I saying that the character of the person involved is always irrelevant? Partially, yes, I am. Partially, yes, I am. I'm saying that it's irrelevant to whether or not God can work. But I'm not saying it is irrelevant to our general assessment of the safety of a situation. Those things can come into play in those. If we know that someone's deceptive, that matters. Okay? I'm not saying that doesn't matter. But what I am saying is that in terms of the intrinsic merit of a miracle itself, is not dependent upon the nature of the person involved. It is not dependent on creed. It is not dependent on denomination. It is actually not even dependent upon one's belief in God. God can do a miracle for an atheist if he wants. That's up to him. As he himself says, I cause rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous the same. As God himself says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Forgive my language here. It's almost like God is saying, Okay, forgive me. He's saying, it is abs- what is it to you? It is none of your business. How I deal out my grace. Because at the end of the day, a miracle is just that. It is a grace. Period. That is all. It is just a grace. So we have to be careful of that because saints can sin. Abunangelos, who I just spoke about, who's passed away. I've seen him angry. Right? He's still way holier than, than, than anyone I've met, to be honest, but he sins. I once heard Abunangelos say, Lord, save me from self-righteousness. And I wanted to go vomit. I was like, if, if, if you're self-righteous, I don't know what I'm going to say about myself. Like, if you consider yourself self-righteous, then I'm on some other planet of, of ego. Um, my mother, a physician, a pathologist with a specialization, was healed of cancer um, when I was in, in grade six. I don't know if my mom's watching tonight. If you are, sorry, mom, to put you on blast. My mom is not a saint. No offense, mom. I mean, she might be becoming one. Um, she's a great woman, everything, but my mom is not a saint. She loses her temper. She wasn't spotless, spotless and unblemished. Okay. And it was documented miracle. Okay. Where a cancerous, um, biopsied cancerous tumor became nothing but a ball of pus to which the, 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 the surgeon threw his clipboard on the ground saying she asked for a miracle and got one, this makes no sense, okay? Why am I bringing on an example and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so cool, my mom had a miracle? No, it's to say, if we're going to say that God couldn't have done it because my mom's imperfect, then, then we're being illogical, actually, because something happened. So if it wasn't that, so I'm, I'm just trying to show the inconsistency of the argument. What we should have, more positively, is humility which is what our generation really lacks, okay? We're in the sphere of public trials at all times, right? We're all 
some kind of justice warrior, whether social justice or other, we've all become some kind of a warrior. And we all just walk around clubbing people over the head. Again, functioning as though we are the standard of truth. We are the standard of logic. We're the ones who get it and no one else does. Christians are doing this. Non-Christians are doing this. Everyone's doing it. Just go to Facebook, go to, go to Twitter, go to Instagram and, 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 and have, pull out your popcorn and watch. Okay. So we're doing this, but instead we should have an attitude of humility. Okay. Of, of saying, I don't really necessarily know. And I would challenge you to ask yourself about your humility. Do you secretly think that God can't do things? We might be afraid to say that out loud, but is that what's really going on here? Because that's, that's a function of ego. Is there a part of us that thinks that God can't as a theist? Or have the humility to ask yourself, am I afraid that if it's true, that my understanding of something might be wrong. And I'm afraid of that, right? And I'm afraid of what it might mean. Instead of trying to deal with my lack of knowledge or, or an incorrect knowledge, is it just easier for me to pretend it didn't happen? Because I really feel like Christians do this a lot, right? And, and that's, that's, not, that's not healthy, spiritually or intellectually. Or where something hurts their image, they pretend it's false or fabricated. Right, because if you've had a stance against something and then someone's like, no, here it is. Instead of dealing with humbly of, oh, I was mistaken. We're like, oh no, let me tell you, let me try and discredit that idea, person, event, etc. That's not, that's not truth and it's not humility. Or are we actually secretly afraid of a different consequence? The atheist response. This one kills me. Right, where I think that so many are are too afraid to acknowledge that they're afraid of it being fake and what people would say, that they'd rather just totally deny it altogether. Would we rather say, in other words, that it's not a real, so that we admitted it first before the atheist attacks? So that if I could discredit first, then if an atheist attacks, we can say, ha ha, we already know that we called it first. Right? That, that's, that's not a thing to me. Um, where we're trying to, you know, preemptively show solidarity with the accuser. So that we can look at these so-called fringe extremists and say, don't worry, I'm not one of those guys, one of those crazies over there who thinks that, you know, like Pope Corliss is going to pop out of under his bed and do some miracle. And, and, and we start speaking like that. That's not humility. Humility is to be able to say, I don't know. I don't know. Whether you're a theist or an atheist. Because if you have a goal of having a particular outcome, that's ego. It means that your question is not what is true. It means you're putting yourself above truth for a particular outcome, and I don't care what side of the spectrum the person comes from doing that. Whether a theist or an atheist, that's not humility. It's saying, I am the standard. As opposed to stepping back and saying, might this be true? 
And if it is true, question number two is, what does it mean? And the humility part that I'm calling for is not to assume that the meaning that you are assigning is correct. It's to say, I think it might mean this, but I may be incorrect. And to not just give lip service of saying, I may be incorrect, but to really actually acknowledge and believe that you may be incorrect. That's why for me, for example, if someone were to bring up an example, some celebrity miracle worker, I might be critical of the style. I might be critical of the method, right? If there's nothing clearly dogmatically wrong, I may have criticisms of that. I may, if it's even worth me criticizing, because I don't really know why it's my job to do that. Okay, but if I were, I might say, you know, this is not what I received, right? I received, for example, that if somebody has the gift of exorcism, that it shouldn't be some like light show on public with, with a cameraman. That's what I've received. But it's not absolute. That's what I've received. Because what if, because if I, for example, to say, okay, you know what? I receive that you don't do that publicly. And I can say that. That's what I received. That's true. But what happens if to another person, he's saying, yes, the normal way is not to be public. But I'm so sure of what's happening. I'm so confident it's what's happening that I'm not afraid to do it publicly for the sake of those who don't believe. That's on him, not me. I don't have a role as Anthony Paul to prosecute or defend some guy over in his playground. Neither do you, with all due respect. Neither do you. So that's the humility that I'm saying we, maybe we need to do that. I want to stop for a minute too and just make a differentiation too between private miracles versus public miracles. Okay? Because a public miracle by nature opens itself up to more scrutiny and testing. Okay? So that, that I acknowledge. So, for example, if somebody from among the community of the faithful is claiming, for example, I have um, a, an icon that is dripping oil. Now, if this is a private miracle, then this person doesn't go around inviting the whole world to see it. The person doesn't put it on Facebook. The person doesn't go and, and post it to the whole world. The person doesn't go to church and be like, let me tell you something on the DL, but don't tell anybody. But like, you know, I kind of have an icon, but like, it's just between us. Okay, bro, but just don't tell anybody. And then meanwhile, there's 700 people going into the house every single day. That's not really private anymore. Okay, that's public. And so the church has a system for that. It's not a well-known system, but there is. That icon should be brought into the church and put on the altar and to remain on the altar during liturgies. And if the phenomenon continues to occur even during liturgy, then there is merit to this cross because of what we believe about Christ. 
right? And so this is an objective system within the system of belief. I'm not, again, talking to atheists. Atheists couldn't care less whether you put it on a table or not because then a table is just a table and bread is just bread. I'm talking to believers right now, okay? And so because of our belief about Christ, that is what we do. We also would often go into the home of such a person and do prayers of deliverance, exorcism, house blessing, litany of the sick over the person because it has a prayer of exorcism in it. And in such a case, yes, we would look at, not judge, but we would take into consideration the character of those involved. It wouldn't be the deciding factor per se, but yes, it does matter. Right? If this person has made a career out of, of, of all sorts of, of scams, that's a problem. Right? That's not somebody the church is going to want to parade. It also isn't necessarily, as I said before, the deciding factor. I'm just saying that, yes, it matters. I'm not denying that that can matter. A private miracle is a whole other matter. If I'm claiming that St. Mary came and spoke to me privately, that doesn't demand anything of the world. So you don't need to have a stance. You can't have a stance on that. If someone says, yeah, I saw St. George and Amelie, I, I don't know what to say. Someone says, I saw St. Abinub. If I saw St. Whoever, that's, that's not my thing. But if that person comes to me and says, St. Mary is telling you this. Now I am compelled to have a stance because there's an ask of me. I now, I now have a response to being told that St. Mary is telling me something or wants me to do something. Now I do have to make a decision about my belief because I am being asked something. If I'm not being asked, I'm saying intimelic, intimelic. Right? What is it to you? But if it's coming to your door and saying, this is right here. No, that's different. That's different. Now I'm being asked to believe or not believe. In which case, I may cast a judgment. I also might not have to cast a judgment. Because... What I'm trying to get out with all of this is that I can say, so what, I, what I'm not saying, before I say what I'm saying, is that all miracles are clearly real. If you don't believe them, you have weak faith. If you don't believe them, then you're a bigot or you're full of yourself or you're too arrogant or you're, I'm not saying that. I'm saying often people are saying, are doing that. They are often doing that. What I am saying is, Better for you not to have a stance, positive or negative, than to have sarcasm, judgment, um, and overanalyzing all the stuff that we talked about. So, having said all of that, do miracles exist? Yes. Do miracles happen? Yes. 
am I required to believe in every miracle? No. Will God be upset with you if some dude claims a miracle and you don't believe? No, he won't. It's totally fine not to believe. So I'm not here saying that you, you must believe everything. In fact, sometimes it's wiser to keep a distance. Often it's wiser to keep a distance. But in your keeping a distance, or in your choice not to chase a miracle, or to pursue a miracle, or to go observe the miracle, make sure you're doing it with sound mind. Okay, that was the point of this talk, was to say, what is the mindset? Don't have disdain, don't have arrogance, don't have judgment, don't be sarcastic towards the whole world. You can simply say, it may be true, and you need to believe that it may be true, because it actually might be. Um, I just, I don't have a stance on it. That is a much healthier approach than to roll your eyes and speak like you're the standard of truth, okay? Um, because the intersection between miracles, science, all that, that's next week's talk, was to talk about the, the, the dialogue between science and religion. But, but this is more about the stance of, of believers. So our God is supernatural. Our God is miracles. Miracles do exist. I would even challenge you to say, what would it hurt you to take joy in the many works that God has done, right? Like God is a wonder worker, right? It, like, I, I don't know why that's a problem for, for believers. Um, and with that, again, to God be glory, who, who, who works in and through and among us. Um, and I'll open it up to um, uh, questions on it. Um, if there's any, I don't know, I'm not following on, on Facebook. If there's any there, if someone can also um, post uh, any questions from there here, it would be great. Um, uh, hi, uh, thank you for giving this talk tonight. My deepest condolences, Abuna. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience with Abuna and Gilles with us. Um, I'm transcribing the talk now. Thank you. And I should have posted that someone has. So if you want to stop, feel free. If not, I'll incorporate them together. Um, oh, sorry. I thought this was a general question. My bad that I'm reading this out loud. Would I like it? Yes, thank you. I'm so sorry to that person. Um, Can you please share some of Abun Angelos' wisdom and spiritual pearls? Um, yeah, I, I, I would rather come back to this one in case there's questions specifically about um, the, the content of the miracles. And then if there's not, I will, um, I will happily come back to that if that's okay. My apologies. Um, just because I know that if I go down that ro road, there's no stopping me. Um, so just for the sake of, uh, of keeping it to what it's about. Um, does anyone have any questions about um, the attitude or the mentality or, or the content of what we talked about? I guess not. Okay. Oh, here it is. Uh, here's some, sorry. 
How does, yeah, there's a few coming in. How does one balance healthy skepticism about miraculous claims versus outright denial? Um, I, I actually, that's exactly what I was trying to get to and clearly wasn't able to do. And I'm, I'm not, even I, I suck. I think to me, it's in the being objective that something may have happened versus having cynicism. Because outright denial requires you to know a lot more than what you know, right? Like if someone were to say to me, my Hindu friend, um, their statue did this. For me to say, no, it didn't. That's outright denial is actually really arrogant of me. How do I know that it didn't, right? Because the claim of a miracle is already that something went against nature. So if I'm saying, no, it didn't based on that, that can't happen physically, then what I'm actually saying is that miracles are impossible. I hope you see where I'm going with this. Cause I'm having trouble. I'm really having trouble articulating this. And if I'm saying that miracles are impossible, then what I'm saying is I have made a public dogma and doctrine that nothing can ever happen, period. And I don't really think I have any authority to do that. Instead, if we're gonna, if we're gonna have a skepticism, a healthy skepticism is to say that defies logic, that sounds unlikely, my bias might even be towards that it's not likely. But the objective question is, but did it happen? I think that's the better attitude to have towards it. It's not say this couldn't happen, but to say it could happen. My natural inclination is to not believe it, but objectively it may have. And that's why to me, the easier thing is to submit everything to the questions of what is the truth and what does that mean? There are all sorts of sub questions that can come out from underneath that. Um, but to have that as the guide, because if, again, if I were to say, no, my Hindu friend is, mista is mistaken, then we're never going to have a useful conversation ever because we're all just going to put out our fatwas, right? We're all going to put out our proclamations. Of, of absolute truth and non-truth and we won't get anywhere. So a healthy skepticism to me is to say, I'm not gonna invest my whole person in this. I'm not gonna make my spirituality depend on this. I'm not gonna go out of my way to, to force this to be true, but I'm also not gonna do it in the opposite direction. Instead, I'm just gonna say, maybe, I hope that was helpful. Uh, feel free to, to follow up with that one. Um, in uh, recent times, I feel like I've far drifted from God in a spiritual sense. However, during these last six months, I've seen God's hands working in my life tremendously. Can God be allowing miracles in my life despite me being in worse shape spiritually possible? Yes. Right? That's what I'm saying. God's miracles were never dependent on their spiritual status. Right? Like, like God did not ever say to you, like, like to those who do miracles, when you stop this sin, I will do this for you. Right? In fact, he often did the opposite. Often he did a miracle and then said, go and sin no more. Right? He didn't start off with, when you're sinless, I'll do it. He said, now don't do this. So yeah, he can. Um, 
Eucharist, which so many people say, I don't need a miracle, I have the Eucharist. I don't understand that personally because God who gave himself his body and blood also did miracles. Okay, but let's go with that. The Eucharist is a miracle. And it is given to us non-holy people, including the priest and the bishop and the pope, every time that we break bread. So, yes, he, 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 he absolutely, and I, I will use the word absolutely there, he absolutely might be working with you um, even as a sinner because God works with sinners because all of us are sinners. So thank God for being humble where we are not. Um, is it wrong to pray for a saint to appear to you? Um, I don't know that it's, I mean, it, it can be wrong. Um, I wouldn't say it's intrinsically wrong. I think it's a natural desire that um, many of us have, even though like others would be petrified. Like, um, But um, it's one thing to just want it, and it's another thing to have a sense of um, that, that, that God owes you it. So like if it's coming from a sense of entitlement, I would say that's wrong. Um, Whereas when it's from just a natural curiosity or desire, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'd say it'd be wrong to have the wrong desire, like the wrong inclination to, towards it, um, or to demand it or to obsess over it. Um, that would be the, the thing. Um, I have a question on this verse. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Doesn't the Lord say that other people will be able to perform miracles? Does this mean that miracles are not from God exclu exclusively? Um, so in regards to the first part, doesn't the Lord say that other people will be able to perform miracles? Yes, he does, right? And that's why I'm saying that miracles, supernatural events are, are happening outside of the realm of, of, of Christianity. Um, that begs different kinds of theological questions of what does that mean? What is it? Is it God? Is it not? I'm not discussing that right now. That's its own. That's thing. I'm not discussing the assessment of a particular miracle or kind of miracle here. But yes, miracles in, in the general sense of a supernatural occurrence or manifestation or interaction. Yes, they do. Does this mean that miracles are not from God exclusively? Yes. From a Christian perspective, yes. Why do you think the Jews accused God of doing a miracle in the name of the devil? Because they had a belief that demons could do supernatural things too. Right? Or, for example, in the book of Acts, when we meet this person who's casting out uh, that's that's the, when they have hired this girl to do prophetic stuff. They weren't denying that something supernatural really was occurring. In the story of of uh, Moses's rod being turning into a serpent, the Bible says that the Pharaoh that the the Pharaoh's magicians their rod did too. Right. So um, yes, we do believe that that supernatural events can can occur from from a, a non good source is it wrong to make a deal with the saint to appear to you if you try to abstain from a sin that one is struggling with yes that's wrong right that's 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 forcing someone's hand into saying 
here's how you're going to deal with my demand, right? So imagine, imagine if me as a priest, someone were to come up to me and say, if I come to liturgy for the next four weeks, you're going to buy me an iPad. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm not actually. <laughs> because you're coming to church or not coming to church has nothing to do with my priesthood. It's whether you should or shouldn't go to church. And I don't owe you an iPad. Um, and like, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just trying to use it as an, as an, an analogy. Um, and so I, I can't decide for another person what his or her reaction should be to my decisions. My decisions should be based on whether it's right or wrong. Um, and, and not on that. Because even, I'm, I'm not talking about in this talk, maybe that would be worthy of another talk, okay, is that God isn't giving people miracles as some kind of reward system. Okay, so for example, I, I'm, this is something that is going to be uncomfortable for some people, but I'm aware of a priest who is an alcoholic and living a life of sin in a tiny village in Egypt that has no access to anything that was performing exorcisms. Because God's like, this is the only guy in the area. I'll use him. So it wasn't like, because this guy was good, God's like, here's this gift, you can do exorcism. No, God is, God is giving gifts to his people based on whatever God does in that. Um, and so it's, it's not a reward system. It's not that those who are holy see it. That's why there are great saints who never saw saints. There are great saints who never saw some supernatural phenomenon. Because there's, that's not necessary. Um, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a duty. Um, how do we distinguish between what may be a miracle versus a sign from God in our life? Can signs from God be interpreted as small miracles? Or are they different concepts? Yeah, they can be, actually. Um, in this general sense of the interaction between the immaterial or the supernatural and the natural, however way you want to use it. Um, yes, they can be. Um, and that's why I'm like, it's hard to define a miracle because it can be a sign. It can even be, it could be, it's just hard to prove these things. An intervention of, of thought. It could be an intervention of that we don't even recognize. For all we know, maybe God sent somebody actively to see us that we didn't know was sent to us actively to see us. Like there's so many things that it could be. Um, I'm trying to distinguish between the supernatural and those instances in which God communicated with us in special ways. I know it's dangerous to go looking for science can be difficult to interpret sometimes. Yeah, and, that, and that's the danger, right? Actually, like that is the danger. And that's why I'm saying, don't presume any of us to be the person who gets to decide whether something was a miracle or not, right? And so what I'm challenging us to is actually the opposite extreme that I'm used to of complete cynicism, complete arrogance, complete um, disdain of saying, open yourself up to that. Maybe God is doing something because he does do stuff. Right. And so um, whether directly or indirectly, he, he does work with us. At least that's, that's what we believe. Um, how do we discern whether something miraculous truly happened 
or if there were some natural phenomenon or otherwise that is simply not well understood. Should we even attempt to do that or is that unhealthy? No, I don't think it's unhealthy to do that. I think it's unhealthy when we, again, are only taking the stance of it could not be because there may be another phenomenon. Because God uses nature in his miracle. That's the part that I think we sometimes forget. And so we sometimes think that this natural occurrence couldn't be supernatural because I observed it naturally. When God is using nature to speak, right? So the claim is that there is not any nature in it. The claim is that here's a particular colliding of the supernatural and natural world, right? And so it won't, it won't trouble me. So for example, Jesus walking on water is an anti-natural event, okay? But somebody um, being cured of cancer, God did something to something natural, to something material. So it's a different thing, right? Now, does that mean I'm saying that, haha, therefore, every miracle must therefore be a miracle? No, I'm not saying that, right? So um, I think this is getting philosophical for some people. Here, I'm trying to think of an example to, to make clear what I am and am saying. So I'm not saying that because God can use the natural, therefore, it's stupid to doubt any miracle because God, God might be doing it, okay? But at the same time, what I am saying is just because something natural occurred doesn't contradict the claim of a miracle either. That if what we're saying is that God changed something in nature, then it's not shocking that nature has an effect because that's exactly what we're saying. I hope that clarifies that. Um, so should we attempt to do that? I would say, depends on your motivation. I'm more concerned in this talk about the attitude than I am about the questions. Because it's not wrong to question, right? Like Thomas questioned and it wasn't a problem. The difference is in the spirit of questioning, right? So for example, the tradition that we received is that when St. Mary said to Archangel, Gabriel, what do you mean? No one got mad at her. When Zachariah did, it was like, I'm a wreck you. Um, and, and what we've received as a difference was the disdain and sarcasm that Zechariah had versus St. Mary asking very genuinely saying, how can this be? Right? So, the questioning is okay, but what is my attitude of questioning? Is it one of contempt or one of sincerity? And do I also believe that God can do it? Because I should be open to, if I'm going to be objective, that something really might have happened. Right? And then to take that, take that where it takes me. Um, 
how can I tell if what I experienced was a miracle or just a dream? Um, I don't know that I can answer that for you on here or in general, to be honest. I don't claim to have that gift. Um, I'm not big on dreams, even though God does use dreams sometimes. Okay? Actually, what St. Anthony said is anybody who trusts their dreams is a play toy of the devil. Not St. Anthony the Great. Um, that's what I'm saying. That it's not wrong to have a healthy question mark on it. Um, somebody with the gift of prophecy could serve you better. What I would say is that if, if it was a, if it was an, if it was an apparition rather than dwell on the miracle, what to be say, is there something good and beneficial I can learn from that? Cool. If I'm not asked or required to do anything with what I think that I saw, then just park it, leave it alone. Um, and not worry about doing anything with it. If there's something you think you need to do with it, then that requires a discernment. Um, and I would also, I would reveal it just to my father confession and not to others. Um, that's, that's, that's the traditional monastic way, um, is, 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 is to not make noise with it. Um, could you consider God speaking to us through scripture and the Bible as a miracle, or would it classify something else? It could be. Because I'm saying, I, I'm talking about miracles more, more loosely as God's interaction with man, right? Like, or the supernatural meeting the material. I mean, it's, like, it's, there's so, the, the definition can get very broad, like, like very, very broad. It's a very difficult thing because you're dealing with supernatural. It's so hard to, to put a circle around it. But yeah, he can be, right? He can be. Um, he has with me with that. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be. Um, what do you think about miracles from Eastern religions, like some Buddhists levitating? Is this the work of devils or in some way God? Um, I can't speak generally, or, or sorry, specifically. I can speak generally, not specifically, um, about any particular event. Generally speaking, this is me speaking, Anthony Paul. I'm not speaking... Um, right now in the name of an official stance of the church. I don't think there is a specific stance of the church. I believe that God cares about all of his children. And just like he called the Ninevites, right? Um, and like he did a miracle for the centurion. And like Peter went to Cornelius before he was converted. And, and, and Cornelius had a vision before he was converted that I believe that God can, I'm not saying that any, I'm not talking about any particular thing right now. God can do whatever he likes with whomever he likes. So could there be a valid uh, experience of somebody outside of the church? Sure. Can God hear a Muslim from cancer? Sure. Why not? Jesus appeared to Paul while he was persecuting Jesus. So, in the words of Obama, yes, he can. Um, uh, do, 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 do. How do we work toward, this is a great question. How do we work towards having simplicity of mind and heart? Where do we have a childlike innocence about miracles, feeling no need to scrutinize them? I really love this question. I'm sorry to everyone else asked a question that I didn't say that was amazing. I just, I have a bias, and I like this question because... 
as we grow more in our understanding of God, as we grow more in our faithfulness towards God, as we develop more and more experience with God, you will find yourself needing less and less and less needing to scrutinize, number one. Number two is that the more time you spend with God, our Lord said, my sheep hear me and they know my voice. Which also means when something doesn't sound like God, your own spirit starts to go, uh, something's wrong here. And so to develop that simplicity of mind is to be able to say to God, God, who am I? And what is it to me? Whether you worked with this person or not. I know that you work with all of us, that you love all of us. I know that you can do all things, that you fill all things, that you work in all things. And if you've chosen to work with your son or your daughter, all things to your glory, God. Do as you will, your God, do you. And once I stop thinking that I need to be the judge of everything, that's why I love your question, I'm going to have that simplicity and humility. Because I really think we should ask ourselves, why do I think that I need to spend my time assessing it? Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am to have a stance on everyone and its mom? Right? Like, let's, let's back off. Let's back off and say, if you're who we believe you to be God, you can do anything. Go ahead. And whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. Right? That's, that's how we do it. It's, it's by developing spiritual relationship, by developing spiritual experience. And actually, I'm going to digress a little bit here. Who is it that God trusts with these things? The people who are already faithful to him. Right? The analogy I was using, I was talking to some of the guys here in Ottawa last night. Um, imagine if Canada, during these times, was saying, listen, um, we, we need to, we have a crisis, we need to distribute food to all these communities. And so we can't man that as a government by ourselves right now. So we are going to allocate funds to those who are able to um, um, to help us with this work. So who are you going to trust more with the funds? Nonprofits who are already doing it? Or some guy who just says, yeah, give me the money, I'll take care of it. And I'm saying God does both. I'm saying God does both. But the safest way and the trusted way is the person who's already doing it. Because they're already doing it for the right reason. They're not doing it for the cash. They're doing it because they believe in it. Those who are faithful already with God, those are the ones that God can entrust with responsibility because the gifts that he is giving, the gifts that he is giving are for his kids, right? It's not about some status symbol. 
It's about his kids. That's that's my take on it. Um, um, why doesn't God heal amputees? Um, wouldn't that be incontrovertible proof of a miraculous occurrence that cannot be attributed to chance or a natural phenomenon? I would say, and I know you're going to call me a cop-out for this, and I don't really care, and I'm not being sarcastic. It's up to him. Right? That's up to him. That's not up to me. Right? And so if I say that the only proof of miracles is going to be when he heals an amputee, that that's how it is, then that means that I'm ignoring whether or not there really are other miracles or not. So amputees are not the standard of miracles occurring and not occurring. Having said that, I don't know. Maybe God has cured an amputee before. I don't know. I mean, in the Gospels, we talk about a man not having eyes that were given eyes. Um, so maybe he has in history. I'm not aware of it personally. I'm not aware of, of any personally known events to me. Um, and so in asking why doesn't God heal amputees, there's a presumption that he never has. And I think the larger question being asked is, when and why does God do miracles? And that's this whole other um, conversation. That's something I wasn't getting into that in, in, in this talk, nor do I think I can really answer for God. Because how God decides to distribute his wealth, so to speak, I can talk about patterns that I've seen. I can talk about consistent behaviors that we've seen throughout history, that we've received through, through, through tradition, through saints, through whatever. I can talk about those, no problem. All I can say personally with any kind of confidence is when God does an act of grace, not why, when, it is always for the good of everyone involved. That's the only thing that I can say authoritatively. Everything else, I have no idea. Because he does stuff for believers, non-believers. I've seen people get a miracle that I wish that I had received. I didn't get it, right? I've seen people have things that they didn't have, like, like, like that. We all have seen that. And it's not wrong to ask that question. Anthony asked that question. But that still doesn't deal with do miracles occur or not. So if I were to cast out all miracles because I wanted to see this particular kind and didn't, that's not being logically consistent. But logically consistent saying, was there a miracle or not, regardless of whether this one happened and there. My mom is asking if I can change my mind and say she's a saint. Absolutely, mom. Um, <laughs> um, and my mom said that watching through Facebook is better than Zoom. My mom highly recommends. Um, hi, mom. Everyone can say hi to my mom. My mom's on the screen. Um, uh, two. Can the saints be upset with us? Um, I might actually do a, a talk on relationship with saints. Um, so I'll hold that one to there, if that's okay with you. Because there's a lot of questions that are coming up here that are actually really good that form, I think, its own uh, thing. Uh, Mr. Solomon, I saw your email yesterday. The book is going to editing um, as we speak. Um, I am going to 
um, call it a night there. I think if I could just say something and, and to end it is, I'm not trying to lawyer up for God. I'm not trying to make everybody choose which miracle to believe or, or not to believe. Um, but instead, the point of this was talking about what should be a healthy mentality towards it. Because I really think we get lost in our egoism. Um, like if I could take one thing away, it's you are not the standard. I am not the standard. Truth is the standard. Okay. And the real question that we should always come back to is whether something is or isn't. And then what that means, um, as opposed to us coming back and saying, because I feel, or because I think, or because I did or didn't experience, therefore, or to say that because I can see a possible other explanation, therefore, that's not a therefore, that is simply a potentially, a possibly, a maybe. It's not a therefore, right? And so a healthier attitude for us is to say, could it be? And that faith is saying, God does this, do you believe him? And that's, that's where we're coming from, to him be glory um, and might and majesty always and forever, amen. Um, uh, thank you guys for your, your patience, I know I ramble on. Um, let's just conclude with prayers. Good night, Mom, before I go. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, make us great faith, thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespasses against us. Lead us not temptation. Let us from evil one in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Love of God the Father, grace and begotten Son, the communion, give the Holy Spirit to all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all.